Good morning. Welcome to this beautiful Sunday morning. We want to thank everyone for coming out. We want to thank everyone also for that's watching online and being a part of this ministry. It's a beautiful Lord's Day, so if you wouldn't mind, please join me in standing while we sing our opening song. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin. Great. 
Good morning, church. Glad to see everybody here today. Now, I'm not trying to start anything, but this side over here sounds pretty good from me sitting over here. They're loud. They're sounding good, so I'm not trying to start too much, but just letting you know. Uh, I want you to think about something that you have to do that you fear the most. Now, when I was at work, one of the things that I feared that bothered me were calls that involved small children or infants. I just, I didn't like that. That bothered me. I did it, but it bothered me. Now, yours might be, maybe you have a customer that you can just never make happy. Or maybe you have a supervisor that you just hate dealing with. Or maybe you're a school teacher and you got a parent, you know, one of those parents that just can never deal with. Think about that for a minute. Now, if what you're thinking about is not teaching an elementary age Bible class, West Irwin needs your help. Donnie Cook needs your help. Now, the program nowadays is not like it used to be when Keith Harris and me used to cause Sue Starnes to pull her hair out because she had to deal with us for months at a time. That's not the way it's set up now. Now, I can't explain exactly how she has it all set up. But I have a visual that I want to show you. Uh, there's, two, there's two of them, and you're not going to be able to read them from where you're at, but there's two lists here. And these are Wednesday night Bible classes that Donnie has set up, they are the ladies teaching the girls in the fourth and fifth grade, the men teaching the boys. Now, I know you can't read this list, but men, I want you to look at this list because the women, they've even added lines to their list. We, I, we are maybe halfway through our list, and the last one on the men's list is me. And the reason I did it is because I conned my son-in-law into helping me. Because he is the most person relatable to fourth and fifth graders I know. Now, men don't go much past fourth and fifth grade, totally. But he, that's where he's at. But anyway, my point is, 
uh, men, we need to step up. We really do. And we can. And Donnie needs us. Our children need us. And we can do this. If you're not used to coming on a Wednesday night, come that Wednesday night. Come and eat lunch with us over there. Bring a hamburger. Buy food from the food truck. You'll enjoy visiting with everybody before you teach the class. And who knows, you might want to start coming on Wednesday night all the time. But my point is, even if you don't come normally on a Wednesday night, you can come that Wednesday night. We're not going to persecute you if you just show up that Wednesday night. I mean, because you're doing what you can do, and that's what God wants you to do. So, uh, anyway, that's my spiel. I I will say this, though. This is my second time to do this little deal on Bible classes. And I'm getting paranoid because we didn't have anybody sign up last time. So, uh, y'all help me out a little bit, please. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow before you today declaring your greatness above all that is in this world. We recognize you as holy and perfect in every way. You see what is in our hearts, you know what is in our minds, and you are able to judge our motives with righteous judgment. Your knowledge is complete, and your wisdom is everlasting. Father, we come confessing to you our sinfulness and weaknesses. We ask that you would help us to walk in a way that is worthy and pleasing to you. Give us your wisdom so that it would seep into our character and make known to us your reasoning so that it would become our reasoning. We pray our hearts and minds will be receptive to your word, that our eyes would be open to see those in need of your love and salvation that we would be motivated by your love that you have shown to us and by the greatness of the inheritance offered by you. We ask for our love for one another to grow and that it would be, and that with knowledge and discernment we would offer grace to each other as you have shown to us. Father, we ask that you would comfort and heal and give peace to the sick and suffering. Father, we pray that you would be with Kelly Brown, that you would be with Dot White and her family, Sherry Osborne, Aline Clark, Tracy Mosier, Kathy Higdon, Sue Ellis. Father, be with all the others on our list. We have so many, and we just pray that you would bless them and heal them and comfort. Father, we pray for the people of Ukraine. We know that powers rise and fall on this earth according to your will and wisdom. We ask that you would be with our brothers and sisters as they go through these horrible circumstances. We pray that through all of this, your name would be honored, 
that peace would come to the area and souls would be saved. We pray that your righteous judgment would come into the area and fall upon the perpetrators of this evil. We pray that your children will be protected, that the teaching of your word would continue to be spread throughout the land. Father, we recognize that this world is not our home, but we so often get caught up in short-term thinking because of the difficulties of living here. Help us to become better at fixing our eyes on you, your Son, and the eternity that lies in front of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In preparation for the Lord's Supper today, I would really like for you to be able to listen to the words of this song as you're singing it. So it's not only as the deer thirsts for the water. It's when we get to the chorus, when it says, And I pour out my heart, my soul, deep within you. Deep within you. I pour out my soul. Let's take those words as we sing these words. Let's take them to heart. And let's put them into into place. And let's focus on Christ during this song because it's incredible words and meaning behind this and if you really put that words to it you can't help but to see Christ and to see the glory of his beautiful thing everything that he provides for us each and every day as the dear
You know, there have been hundreds of movies and documentaries and shows that have been made about the life of Jesus. We have everything from kids' shows that star vegetables all the way to full-blown adult movies that probably aren't suitable for the youngest of children. And the reason for all of these is to give us an opportunity to see and to think about and to experience the life of Jesus, to experience as best as we can what it is that Jesus went through throughout his life, what it would be like to have been able to walk and to talk with Jesus. And I would argue that when we gather here on the first day of the week, partake of the Lord's Supper, that the Lord's Supper is meant to function in a very similar manner. When we take of this bread that represents the body of Jesus, we are meant to remember, we are meant to replay in our minds what happened in that body, that body that was God taking on human flesh. We remember and we replay what Jesus did in that body. We remember when he walked on water. We remember when he healed the lame. We remember when he interacted with people like the Samaritan woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery or Nicodemus and Zacchaeus, as Bill talked to us about last week. We remember when that body was placed on a cross. But then we remember when that body rose from the grave and ascended to sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father. But you know, we also have the opportunity as we gather here to look around this room and to actually see and experience the body of Christ. As we remember that we as the church are that body. We are the continuation of Christ's body. We are the continuation of what Christ did in his body. And then when we take the cup that represents Christ's blood, we remember that blood that was shed and flowed from the cross, that blood that provides us redemption from our sins that frees us from the power of sin and death and gives us eternal hope with God. Let's put that in our minds. Let's replay the life of Christ. Let's experience the community of his body as we partake of the Lord's Supper today. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we just want to thank you for all that you have done for us. Your willingness to come to earth, to take on human flesh, to not only show us what it looks like to live in the way that you created and designed us, to show us what it looks like to live in perfect relationship and perfect harmony with you, but ultimately to give up your body, 
on the cross to provide us forgiveness of sins, to free us from that which held us back from that kind of relationship, and to give us eternal hope with you. We pray that you will bless us at this time as we take of this bread in remembrance of you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we remember the blood that you shed for us. The blood that cleanses us of our sins. The blood that gives us hope with you. And Lord, we thank you for doing that. We pray for forgiveness and empowerment as we continue to fall short, as we continually find ourselves in need of the power of your blood. And we thank you for its constant presence with us. We pray that you will bless us as we partake of this blood in remembrance of you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. When I think about the life of Christ, one of the things I can't help but think about was his generosity. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he never really had much, but he gave everything. And so, as we now have the opportunity to give back from the abundance that God has blessed us with, I just want to encourage each of us to think about the generosity that we see emulated in the life of Jesus and try as best as we can to emulate that kind of generosity in our own lives. So let's pray. Lord, you have blessed us tremendously in all kinds of ways, physical ways, with relationships, with spiritual blessings, so many that we cannot name. And Lord, we cannot believe we cannot even begin to thank you for what you have done for us the ways that you have blessed us and we pray that we will always live a life of generosity that we will have a a heart that is not only able but willing to give to give back to you to give to the needs of others as we see you demonstrate for us through your son we pray that you will bless us at this time as we seek to give back that you will bless the things that are given for the work of your kingdom. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We continue to be touched and concerned and prayerful for the situation in Ukraine. And the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have there, also the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have in Russia and in the surrounding uh, nations. 
Um, And so with that in mind, our elders have asked us to uh, join with the relief efforts that are specifically being led by Eastern European Mission, and we will have a special contribution towards that one week from today on March the 13th. Um, If you would like to give online, of course you can, or mail a check in, just designate that. But everything that is over our regular weekly need uh, next Sunday morning will go uh, to the Ukraine Relief Fund that Eastern European Mission is uh, coordinating. I know this church has, uh, many of us have been asked, are we going to do something? What can we do? Where can we send help? How can we help? And this is part of the answer. And so I hope and pray that we'll all take advantage of that. There is some Uh, information there on that slide that shares a little bit about uh, the uh, EEM fund and the website uh, eem.org slash Ukraine aid. But again, if you will give that on this coming Sunday, one week from today, and uh, designate it for that or uh, just give a check and a contribution, everything that is over our regular weekly need will be donated uh, to this important Effort, And so as we highlight that need, I don't have to tell you about it really. Uh, You've seen the pictures of what's going on there right now. I'd like to share with you a little bit about what's gone on there um, before. As you know, I've been to Ukraine six different times, three to Mariupol actually, that has been in the news a lot, that is being blasted. And um, uh, we established a church there with the Woodland West Church of Christ in Arlington when Joyce and I were there. Um, and also three times with the South Fork Church of Christ working actually with Eastern European Mission in distributing Bibles and teaching about Jesus and about God's Word to uh, those there in Ukraine. If we could go back to the previous slide for just a moment, that would be be great. Um, Next one up. This one shows, um, there we go. This one shows the children in Ukraine that are um, receiving brand new Bibles because of the summer youth camps, the Team Imagine and other teams led, and because of the generosity of people like this church and all of you donating to EEM to be able to give Bibles to these kids. And you see them, one of my favorite pictures is in the lower right where uh, one of the camp counselors is distributing, helping us distribute the Bibles And the kids are just gladly reaching for them. They can't wait to get them. They can't wait to read them. As we would go about uh, on free time after that, we would see the kids um, not playing chase, not, uh, uh, you know, doing something uh, other than this. We would see them sitting wherever they could find and reading their Bibles and their other materials that we gave them. Um, Very likely the first time that anyone in their home had a Bible. We would send Bibles home that were also for adults as well. Next slide now. Um, These are pictures of some of the translators there. We worked with translators, and they were wonderful. Typically, they spoke English, uh, Russian, uh, Ukrainian, which was just getting started, and perhaps French or Spanish uh, or something else as well. Um, But you see on the upper left, Katya and Elena and Julia. I'll tell more about Julia in just a moment. And then Elena in the upper right, uh, reading from one of their Bibles as we do the Bible lesson. Uh, Katya and Ira in the lower left in the beautiful uh, sunflower fields in Ukraine. I, I, I just can't imagine bombs going off there. 
Um, and then the lower right is one of the groups and the counselors uh, that we worked with. And then the next slide. The upper left is uh, myself. Uh, I think this was 1998 or 1999 with some of the kids in Mariupol. Uh, Alona to my left and the tall uh, blonde girl. And um, Natasha and Nastya and Marina uh, and Alyosha there at the bottom. And Natalie in the middle. And um, uh, as, we, as we look at those, the tall girl Alona to my left is in the center top picture. Uh, she became a translator. She went to Ukrainian Bible Institute, UBI, uh, in Donetsk, now in Kiev, now being moved somewhere else. But she married uh, Yakov, and she had little Masha there that I got to see. This is several years ago. And, um, and they had been working in Donetsk, in the Donetsk region, and then had to leave and go to, um, and go to Kiev. I'm not sure where they are now. Uh, but I'm assuming they're somewhere safe. On the upper right is Sasha and Julia, one of our translators. I showed you a picture of her a minute ago. Uh, They are married. Uh, Julia was a translator. As Sasha's English improved, he became a translator, but Sasha is also a preacher. He's a Church of Christ preacher in Ukraine. And um, at the bottom, those two pictures came out within the last couple of weeks. And it's a picture of them uh, before they had to leave their, their home in the Donetsk region, that eastern region that's being, uh, trying to be taken over by the Russians. Uh, they gather together with a few of their church members. And what they're doing in those two bottom pictures is they're making dumplings and they're making them for the soldiers. And, and now I've been in touch with Julia some, and she said they have had to leave uh, their small town and church in the Donetsk region, and they are somewhere in western uh, Ukraine. And so this last uh, slide shows, again, that same thing. We will be giving towards this relief effort next Sunday, and we will be praying constantly uh, for those in Ukraine. So let's bow for a moment in prayer. Father, your church surpasses all languages, all ethnic and racial backgrounds, all borders, all bonds. But Father, your church also has to experience uh, those things. And we know that the church in Ukraine is experiencing um, the bombs. And we pray, Father, that you would make it stop. We pray, Father, for the leaders in Russia and Ukraine and the surrounding nations in the United States and other countries that will try to help. And we ask, Father, for you to bless their efforts and for you to bring peace and life and safety. Father, for those who are meeting together this very day as your church, sheltered, maybe in their home, maybe in a basement, maybe on the road somewhere, on their way west. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would bless them and that you would hear their prayers as they remember the same Jesus that we remembered a few moments ago, as they eat the same bread and drink the same fruit of the vine. We pray, Father, that you would hear and that you would bless and that you would protect and that you would heal. And, Father, in the midst of all of this, we're reminded of your great and powerful gospel and your great and powerful wisdom 
And so, Father, we ask for your will to be done. And we ask, Father, that uh, as you carry out that will, that you would work your will out in our lives as well as we pray, as we give, as we help, as we think about their plight. And as we seek, Father, your care and your presence, we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Bill, for that. Um, it's time for those, if you would be standing for our song before the, the lesson, then those that are going to partake in the BLAST program, we ask that you go at this time, take your children back, and then please come back and join us. Bill, I want to thank you for that. Um, I think that, I don't think, I believe, that what you guys were doing there was a, was a wonderful ministry, and what you did was you established a, a foundation. And that foundation is not the buildings, it's the people. And they're taking it anywhere and everywhere they go. And I just say that simply because when you were saying those words, it reminded me, it's so, it fits so perfectly with the song that we're about to sing, Firm Foundation. And I just want us to be able to think about that as to how, how the foundation grows in us, not this brick and mortars right here. We are the church. We are God's people and his disciples. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. I put my hope in your holy word. We pray that our brothers and sisters and others in uh, Ukraine and in other places around the world that are in danger, that, um, that they will feel those same things. Uh, this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a BFF? Do you know what a BFF is, might be the first question. I think most all of us know what a BFF is. What is it? 
It's a best friend forever. The kids know, that's right. <laughs> and they got him. Uh, it's a best friend forever. It's a best friend forever. So do you have a BFF? Many of them do. In fact, they're sitting together right here on the front row. And I, I hope and pray that someday when you guys are up here leading a shepherd's prayer, and you will, that you get to tell the story of the Bible class teachers that you have right now, like Brother Ken talked about poor, wonderful, incredible Sue Starnes had to deal with with her. Not saying they're going through the same thing. Not not saying that, but I'm not not saying that. Um, But I hope and pray that they will have that BFF and that it will be forever and that they will lead the church. I believe that these youth are the church of today. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. They're the leaders of the church of tomorrow. That's true. They're part of the church of today. And what a blessing it is to... um, uh, to see and hear the babies again, and what a blessing it is to have a, a, a nice crowd again uh, today. And the babies are increasing in number. We've had a few recently. Uh, we have one that's probably going to be coming uh, very, very soon. Spencer, who led our communion time, will be an uncle uh, very soon. And uh, we're prayerful for Savannah and John as that uh, baby could come. He can come anytime. And Savannah, I hope I'm not jinxing it by mentioning that, Um, but we're excited for John and Terry and for all of their family. Um, And so maybe you have a BFF, maybe you don't. Maybe you can think of someone uh, specifically. And the next question is related, are you someone's BFF? If I were to ask that question of some here, would your name be given? Would somebody say, yes, that person is my BFF, and would that person be you? Our church over the last several years has been blessed to have Sherry Massey and her daughter Sammy with us, and today is Sherry's last day. Sammy and Patrick were married since they had been here and now live in Texarkana, and Sherry will be moving there uh, after this Sunday. But I can tell you, I can tell you that Sherry has found a BFF group for sure. And I know they're all going to miss being able to see each other uh, every week and more. Uh, But our love and prayers go with her, of course. Do you have a BFF and are you someone's BFF? And I want to say this, there are two problems with many so-called BFFs. Some who claim that may not quite be living up to it. And there are probably lots of things I could say as to why, but here are a couple of problems. Number one, they never say no. They never say no. You see, a BFF will say no. They will tell you no. They will call you out. And secondly, uh, for some, the problem with them being a BFF is that it's the F part at the end. (laughs) They aren't always forever. Maybe they're fair-weather friends. Maybe they're more than that. Maybe they just get tired. Maybe they just get discouraged. Whatever it is, they're best friends for a while. What would that be? BFF, uh, BFFA, don't, I don't know. They're not BFFs because they're not forever. Well, how does the present 
Jesus compare with the imposter BFF Jesus? Uh, We're talking about imposter Jesuses in this series and talking about the real Jesus in contrast. And so for just a moment, I want us to think about people who see Jesus, the Son of God, the Almighty Creator, the Holy Lord, as we sang, as nothing more than a BFF, that sometimes there and sometimes maybe not so much, that always loves what I'm doing, even when what I'm doing is the wrong thing. How does the present Jesus compare with the imposter BFF Jesus's? A few things about that this morning. First of all, the present Jesus is willing to call us out on stuff. I don't know how our culture got into this place where Jesus is this almost uh, uh, inactive, uh, unmistakably weak character that simply loves you and wants the best for you. And by the best, what they mean is what you want. (laughs) And nothing could be further from the truth. A casual reading of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John reminds us that's not the Jesus that's talked about there. The Jesus that's talked about there is a strong man who is willing to serve anybody and everybody who is willing to accept any... Randy Lowry, the president of Lipscomb University, has a wonderful chart that I've shared with you many times. It's a conflict mediation chart, and it contrasts issue and relationship. Because when there's somebody that needs to be called out, this is the question. Is this issue worthy enough to put the relationship at risk? And if the answer is no, this issue really doesn't matter, then you let it go. But if the answer is yes, then you do what is appropriate and what you need to do to help them use that relationship and connection that you have to help them see how important this issue is and how they need to apply it to their own lives, whatever that might be. And depending on whether or not they really are a BFF, (laughs) they may end the relationship. Jesus experienced that with some who refused to be called out even though they were in the wrong. Well, there are several times in Scripture that Jesus actually does that, and I'm going to list a few. Of course, you're familiar with the the Jewish leaders. He called them out, and uh, they were constantly trying to kill him and ultimately succeeded. But a few of his disciples, first of all, uh, today before we get into the next couple of points. And that is James and John, first of all. Remember there, uh, John wrote so much about love, but when, and James was the first apostle killed for the faith in Acts 12. But while they were with Jesus, it wasn't quite at that level yet. And so when some of the Samaritans uh, refused to accept Jesus, they said, hey, how about if we bring down fire upon them? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> and Jesus says, no, no. And perhaps that's part of the reason why they were called the sons of thunder. But Jesus confronted them over that attitude. And he could do that without justifying the way the Samaritans acted. I think we have trouble with that one. 
Another example, of course, is Martha in Luke 10. And Martha and Mary, you know this story that they had Jesus over and Martha was busy with uh, making sure that the dinner worked out well and Mary was in there at the feet of Jesus listening. And because their personalities were different, (laughs) Martha felt compelled to tell Jesus, tell my sister to get in here and help. And of course, Jesus confronted Martha about that. I think that he would have confronted Mary if she had gone to Jesus and said, tell my sister to get out here and listen. Martha and Mary and Lazarus were three of the closest friends that Jesus had. And yet, he could, Martha, Martha, in Luke 10. Peter is another one in Matthew 16. When Jesus said, I'm going to be killed, Peter said, no, 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 it should never be. And Jesus calls, not only calls him out, he calls him Satan. (laughs) I think when Jesus calls you Satan, you're probably not on the right side of the page. Peter wasn't. Get behind me, Satan. This is why I came, Jesus said. I know it doesn't make sense to you from a worldly perspective, but I will give my life. And then finally, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. Remember that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. He prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take it away. And Jesus said, no. He told him no. But he said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you something to go along with it that's even better than healing my grace. And that's when Paul said, well, I'll take it. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Secondly, the present Jesus will not desert us, no matter what. He is a best friend forever. A few passages from Hebrews that remind us of that. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, Skipping back to uh, Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood... He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then in chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That he is the same yesterday and today and forever. We see that present Jesus will not desert us, no matter what. As Spencer shared, he was willing to go to the cross for us. He was willing to give everything for us. And he will never leave us. And he fully, completely understands what we're going through. Not just because of his supernatural knowledge, but because he lived it. He lived it. 
Thirdly, today, the present Jesus calls us to be present for each other, for his church. These familiar passages still in the book of Hebrews, first of all in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then back to chapter 3. It's not just on Sunday, and I think that chapter 10 passage is directly about what we're doing right now, calling us to be here, calling us to be present. But in chapter 3, he talks about it on an everyday basis. Chapter 3, verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How can you do that? Verse 13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold on to our original conviction, firmly to the very end. And that's why we come to church. If it was just to do this, we could do this at home. We wouldn't have distractions. We could only sing the songs that we like. We could only study the Bible passages that we like. We could end it when we wanted. (laughs) Perfect, right? Sure. If you're the only one. But God gave us the church because we can't be faithful if we're the only one. We need each other. And he didn't call us to meet together as an assembly of people, a community of believers, simply because he was worried that we might get into trouble outside of this place on Sunday mornings. (laughs) He did it because he knew we needed it. And so Hebrews 10 tells us, don't give that up. Don't neglect it. Don't desert it. Because in doing so, you're deserting your brothers and sisters in Christ. And they can't afford, we can't afford for you to do that. And you can't afford to do that. We have many that are here today that I haven't seen in a while. And what a blessing that is. That seems to be happening most every week, doesn't it? What a blessing. What a blessing. God has guided us through this time. And now it's time for us to be together. I realize there are others who are not going to be ready for that yet because of health reasons and other concerns. And I get that, but that's not everybody. And if you're watching online, thank you for doing that. And if you need to be here, we're going to do this same thing one week from today. would love to have you be here because you're encouraged and we're encouraged. And that's why we do this. It's not just about worshiping the Lord. We could do that anywhere, but it's about worshiping the Lord together because we need it. We need that encouragement. Never will I leave you. But now Jesus calls us to never leave each other. And so as our dear sister Aline continues to suffer and Tom continues in his concern for her, we are with them and we pray for them and we encourage them. Aline still has a feeding tube and a trach tube and and we don't know how long that's going to be and they're going to be talking in the next few days about moving her to a, a, some kind of assisted living center that can help her with rehab while she has those things. Because not every place will, as you know. 
Our dear sister Sherry Osborne will have a procedure on Tuesday. Our new sister, Kelly Brown, will have a procedure on Tuesday to replace the battery in her pacemaker. And we want them to know that they don't face those things alone. We're with them. We're with them. Davy's sister will have a long-awaited surgery on Tuesday as well. The present Jesus calls us to be present for each other, to be present for his church. This is our own involvement and presence with each other. And so my question is, have you lost touch and involvement with your church family? Are you a bit out of touch? Are you a bit out of involvement? Uh, Our shepherd, Ken, led us earlier and talked about the need for some of us to step up and teach those classes. And I can't help but think, Amen, wherever you are, that uh, as your father-in-law was talking about, you know, people that you have trouble with, maybe he was on your list. I don't know. After... After what he said, he may be there now. I'm not sure. Um, I know they have a very close and tight love and respect and relationship with each other. What a blessing. But people need to step up. You need to be involved and you need to be connected and you need to be present. And we have so many ministry opportunities to do that that it's such a great, great blessing. But I can tell you this. After the last two plus years now that we've been through, I believe with all of my heart this, that it's time to reconnect, it's time to recommit, and it's time to rejoin. It is time. And if you're not here and you know that you could be here, then be here. Commit, recommit to being here. Recommit to rejoining, recommit to reconnecting, recommit to being a blessing to others and receiving the blessing that being with others can do for you. It is time to reconnect, to recommit, and to rejoin because Jesus requires that. He commands that. He tells us not to forsake doing that and being that for each other. Well, a few things as we close today. Some BFFs are not quite forever, as I said, but Jesus is. Jesus is that ultimate best friend forever because he is forever. He will not leave us nor forsake us. So two questions. First of all, how are you and Jesus doing? How are you and Jesus doing? Is he your best friend? Is he your Lord and Savior? Is he your master? Is he the one who, when he calls you out, you listen and you act? Or is he someone that's just kind of there and really doesn't demand anything of you? Because that's not the Jesus in the Bible. And that's not the Jesus who not only gave his life for us, but he called on us to deny ourselves and take up our crosses as well. And as Spencer said, be that sacrifice for others the way Jesus has been for us. How are you and Jesus doing? And then secondly today, how present are you? How present are you? How present are you in the lives of your church family? How present are you in the lives of the people that really need you to be there for them? How present are you? The song we're about to sing 
is this statement, this promise, where he leads, I'll follow. Well, here's where he leads. He leads you to be in close relationship with him, and he leads you to be present for your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where he's leading. That's where we need to follow. And if we can help you do that this morning, come as we stand and sing this great hymn. Sweet are the promises, kind is the word, dearer far than any message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see. He the great example is the
Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day, and thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for the sunshine, the good weather, for friends, family, and just the opportunity to talk to you and be with you and be in your presence. Father, help us to see the real you, not who we think you are or who um, the world says that you are, but let us see the real you, the kind, loving friend and brother that you are that calls us out when we are wrong. Help our uh, pride to be uh, lowered and help our holiness and righteousness to grow. Father, let us be instruments of your peace and let your will be done in all things. Let all praise, power, and glory go to you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.